Hello. We're back. Another episode of the Jamie Mary Kay podcast. Last week, I had to cancel uh, two guests that I had booked because I had fallen super ill. I felt like I was dying, kind of. Not really. I lo- like literally woke up on Saturday, didn't feel good, and it was weird uh, because I did like rarely get sick to the point where I just felt like I couldn't do a podcast. I don't want to have anybody on and not be able to give them a hundred percent. So I canceled, but we're back. So shout outs to our guests this week, all the way from New Jersey. I think we might be in New, like New Jersey for a little bit. So strap in and enjoy the show. And one more thing, if you head over to jmarik.com slash shop, this episode is sponsored by that. So if you enter in the coupon code JOP, you'll get 20% off the merch. Thank you and enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of the Jamie RK podcast. We have a very special guest today, all the way from New Jersey. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm Chris. I'm in uh, MVA. I'm from uh, New Jersey. I play guitar. That's awesome. To be honest, like leading up to this, I was trying to figure out what role you um, played in MVA. I, I just like wasn't sure, but I figured obviously I was going to have you on the podcast so we can just talk about that. So that's cool. Yeah. To, yeah, yeah. yeah so it's cool to find out that um, you're actually um, playing guitar. Um, can you tell us about how um, MVA kind of came together? Yeah, uh, we actually me and Nick who plays bass him and I went to high school together actually Andy our vocalist he went to high school with us too but Nick and I were in the same class so uh we were in like a band together like way back then like freshman year all that good stuff and it was like metalcore and all that he played he played guitar and I played uh drums in it okay and uh yeah, and then like he kind of—I don't know—like we were just kind of playing like you know like that dumb like we—I was into like the Devil Wears Prada and all that stuff. Like, <laughs> like Nick was listening to like Dream Theater and like I don't know whatever. And like, then we got onto like Misery Signals and all that, you know, like the classic metalcore. Well, not classic, but like our version of classic metalcore, I guess. And uh, so we were in that band, and I don't know. I guess MVA really kind of just started as uh, Nick just like hanging back at the end of uh, practices and just like him and I just kind of like fucking around like him on guitar, me on drums. And we just kind of like, like poop stuff out (laughs) straight up. Like, I don't know. We just kind of like jam and play a lot faster than what we normally play. So there's like D beats was like a new thing to us, you know, just kind of like, I don't know. We weren't like in the, in the music we write in our, the the band that we were in was called the K-Town Crash. And we like, we'd play like, 
locally in New Jersey, I think a couple times out of state, but uh, a lot of that was like, you know, breakdowns and like mid-tempo, like to low-tempo stuff, like, you know, like the classic, well, I don't know, all, the, all that style stuff. But so like, I don't know, whatever Nick and I was playing was just like, it felt like amped up. I don't know, kind of felt like we were having more fun with it. So like that was kind of like the birth of NBA, I think. It was basically... So the the old band, did you guys just kind of like fizzle out or did you guys just um, get over playing that kind of music? Yeah, yeah. We, uh, that band played, I think our last show was definitely like before we were done with high school. Like none of us had actually graduated. I think we were all seniors at that point. And like we just played some show. Yeah, it really was a fizzling out. Like all of us were really just kind of just getting into different types of music from there. Cause it, I mean, I guess that kind of music was fairly, uh, you could call it, a, I guess a phase. <laughs> I mean, like I still go back and listen to like the goodies. Like I always go back and listen to like, like continent by the cage of strain and like, and, uh, like controller by misery signals is like, I don't know. That was like all of our collective favorite record. <laughs> and so like, I don't know. We like, we listen to stuff like that, but like, you know, I, I, I diverged into like getting into like, I don't know, con, you know, converge like the real metal core. And then I, you know, we kind of got into like hardcore punk and stuff like that. As far as Nick and I go, other members got into like, you know, like hip hop and their version of whatever they love, you know, but yeah, I just kind of fizzled out. And so Nick and I just kind of just kept making music after that. Whenever, excuse me, whenever I think of metal core, um, the band that comes to mind is, uh, it dies today. Do you remember that band? That sounds really familiar. I feel like I like perused that, but I definitely haven't gotten into that now. Yeah, they were signed to Victory Records, if I remember correctly. Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah, and like they were around, um, like when I was younger. So I was um, at the time I was living out in like Palm Springs and didn't really have a way to get to shows because where I was at, yeah. all the bigger shows were out in like Orange County and L.A. So I missed out on a yeah. lot, um, but I just still listen to that band. Like, I feel like they have this um, EP called Forever Scorned, and I feel it's just like one of the heaviest things I've ever heard, like to this day. So sometimes I'll just um, put it on and yeah, just dude. like think about like how sick Yo, it would be to be at a show. Absolutely, there is absolutely something to be said about that music. Like, the, like that. I think there's like there's a reason why we enjoyed it so much. You know, like. I don't know. I feel like it satisfies like a very carnal, like just like young angsty feeling, you know, when you listen to that kind of stuff, like at least that kind of like heavy music. Yeah. And I'm surprised that, that, uh, it kind of like went away. It's like not not as popular today. There's still some bands around, like you mentioned uh, the Acacia strain. I'm stoked that they're still around and still touring and putting out good music. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I just saw them when they did their, uh, uh, 10 year reunion of, of continent. They, they toured the record just uh, fully through. They just played the record uh, live and uh, the entire band I was in, we all got together and fucking saw them in the, in the, in the city, New York. And uh, that was, that, that was a trip because like, you know, like they play through the whole record and like on top of the fact that you probably haven't, you know, as a fan of VK, just like a previous fan of VK stream, you probably haven't listened to the record in a while, but then not only are you listening it, listening to it and like in its entirety, but you're also seeing them do it live. It's crazy. The trip. 
Yeah. Sometimes I feel like like the bigger trip to me is that like a record like that is 10 years old or just kind of like puts in perspective <laughs> like, wow, like I've really been around for that long. Like it makes me feel old yeah. sometimes. Yeah, 100 percent. Yeah. Like that. I've been thinking about that, you know, as, as, as a lot of the records I was into in that in that era are, t- are all turning 10 or like some of them are, you know, turning 15 or whatever. It's like you start to feel, I mean, you know, it's just, you know, our age, like, I'm, I don't know how I'm, I'm 25. I don't know how old you are. But I'm 30. Like 30. Yeah. Like it, five years is like a very small difference. So it's like all that stuff is like just about, you know, when you were like whatever, 15 to 20 years old, 15 to 25 years old, you know what I mean? Like that stuff is like, you know, that you're super impressionable, impressionable. Yeah, but, I was. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm just blown away that it's ten years old. <laughs> yeah, thinking back to those times, I was literally in high school and just like just getting like exposed to this kind of music. Like all I wanted to do was, um, you know, try to make it to a show or just discover like cool new bands. I remember spending like countless hours on MySpace, jumping from like top eight to top eight, trying to find like cool bands <laughs> that I was into. Yeah, I remember that shit. That was yeah, like everyone would have a profile song, right? And when you go to the profile song to play. Yeah, I I used to have my profile song hidden because I don't want anybody to like copy me. I wanted to be like super yeah. elite about it. That's how that's how everyone learned how to code at a at a young age was by uh, programming MySpace layouts. I used to, you, I, I literally used to go to people's profile who I thought was cool and just like copy their source code and just try to do like little <laughs> edits. And I felt like I was doing something super cool, but it was just super basic stuff. And it's a big, you know, you got, you got to start somewhere, you know, it's a beginning. Yeah. It's a trip now. Cause like I have like my own website and I, I don't do all of the professional coding. I use a service called Squarespace. This isn't an oh, ad, yeah, I know Squarespace. but yeah, so I use Squarespace and it's like super user friendly. And I, I thank them so much because I'm able to have a cool website with like basic knowledge of like coding. I, I just like the easy templates, drag things here and there and make it look cool. Yeah. yeah it's, it's come a long way now. It's like, if you're, if you're a, like, no matter what you're doing, I mean, I usually, get it from the perspective of being in a band, like setting up a website's like the easiest thing now more than ever, you know? Yeah. Sometimes I feel, um, it, like bands should have their own website. And I understand like a lot of like newer bands coming up, they'll just stick to having like a Twitter or an Instagram, um, or like just simply like a band camp page. I, sometimes I feel like it would be nice yeah. to have like a home base, with actual information like about the band or like how to contact them. Cause sometimes I'll go and try to scope out a band that I want to have on the podcast. And it's literally like no information on like who's in the band or like how to get in contact besides, um, emailing them through Bandcamp, which I'm not even sure if people read cause I've tried it sometimes and gotten no response back. Yeah. So a I'll, lot like, of those emails get sent to like a band email that doesn't necessarily get checked as much as it probably should be. Yeah, so I, I, I just assume I'm getting like ignored, which is like you know kind of a bummer. So I'll have to like dig deeper and go like seek out like our mutual friends and try to like work my way in through the back door. <laughs> yeah, it's like yo, I got this kid who's got this thing going on. He's got a podcast. If you want to just you know maybe get it from a friend instead of just like directly messaging them. Yeah, so yes, man, you gotta. Oh, go ahead. You know, it's like a, it's such a cool thing you got running. People should be fucking uh, lining up to do this shit. 
Oh, thank you. I really appreciate that. Um, I just tried to like um, put out the best content that I can because mainly it's like I like to have people on um, who I'm like a fan of, um, you know, uh, like of their craft, whether it's just like music or art or just anything. I um, want to have people on just so I could help spread the word about them because I like sharing, you know, the, the things that I'm into because I'm into it for a reason. I think it's cool, interesting and yeah. I just want to have people on who, you know, are willing to come on and just sit here and talk with me. And it's like, like I think it's super gracious that people are willing to come on and just sit here and talk for an hour and a half, two hours, because I understand people have busy lives and a million other things going on. So the fact that they're willing to carve out just a little bit of time to come on here, I, I think it's awesome. Yeah. The feeling's mutual. I mean, like that's, I mean, it's, it's so nice to have someone that's interested enough to, just ask about it, you know. I mean, like I, I may, I may write a lot of music, but it, so people don't often uh, uh, wish to like. They, I mean, it's not not that they need to, but it's, I don't, I don't want people like fucking like coming down my throat. But not often in my actually like, you know, asked questions about what I do. <laughs> so the feeling, the feeling's mutual. So do you do most of the writing for MVA, or is it like a collective effort? Uh. It, it started out uh, initially. I basically wrote most uh, most of it, if not all of it. Like I, I um, when I was in that band with Nick, we learned pretty pretty easily how to uh, program like fake drums and all that good stuff. So like we would just demo out like tons of stuff on the computer all the time. And so by the time I was writing MVA stuff. I like had a, a like a digital like a DAW like a digital audio workshop like already set up on my computer, so I was just kind of like like hammering stuff out like from my room, and then like I just like send it to him on email, and he'd like have some notes, and then like I don't know, I'd, I'd, so I, essentially I demo it out, and then we take it to practice, and then like try and play it as close to the demo as possible, and then like make whatever changes we had to make. Um, that's like the way it used to be, and then it got much more communicative because, you know, back in the day, MVA was really just Nick and I, and then we just had like members that would play, would fill in for vocals and drums, which, which I guess is kind of weird to have a vocalist filling in, but we just kind of had friends like fill the role until we found like Andy and Silvio. So then, I mean, like once Andy and Silvio became a part of it, writing's just kind of like, you know, I think I may write most of it still, but like as far as like how it's assembled and like you know i don't know there's a lot more in between me writing it and the music coming out than there used to be the filter is much more you know i don't know it's more communicative nowadays far, far more back in the early days before andy and silvio were in the band when you guys would play shows, did you guys have to like introduce whoever was filling in like for that set? And was the, the audience like perceptive, like of just having people filling in or were they just like kind of weirded out? I think, I think back then, like not, not enough people really, like we didn't really have much for following to begin with. Like the shows that we would play, um, whoever was in the lineup, people wouldn't like care uh, that much about, uh, like who was playing what it was it was we were very much just opening you know like uh i mean we had our stuff together like we weren't a shitty band necessarily but like we were still very fresh to the idea of writing that kind of music and so i don't know people i guess people just didn't really worry about who was on what at that point 
And and the only reason people are even concerned about, you know, who are what like what Andy does and what Sylvia does and what Nick does and what I do now is because, you know, the music we write and perform now is, I guess, a little bit. No, <laughs> it's worth remembering. So people want to actually. I mean, back then again, like those shows were just kind of like just to have fun. Like we were so fucking we were young. You're like. I don't know, but you're either fresh out of high school or still in high school when the shows are happening. So I guess also the scene is kind of dry from the area of New Jersey you were in. Didn't go very far to look. So like, you know, we were in like, we were around like this. I don't know if you know New Jersey, but we're around like the summit area of New Jersey. So it's like a lot of jocks, <laughs> a whole ton of jocks. So, yeah. Back then it was kind of just whatever. Whoever could grab the mic would grab the mic and sing the drums. So how would you describe the scene now? Well, there's still no scene in the towns that we grew up in because it's, it's, it's a pretty, uh, like high middle class. So it's just all the kids are either groomed to become, you know, what their dad does or they're just like in really into basketball until they get some mediocre jobs. So it's like, it's like, like the, and the high school is kind of small. So it's just like not much variety. It's just, I mean, I'm not, I can't speak for like, who's doing what now locally, but I'm not seeing any shows in the area. Whenever I go to shows in New Jersey, I'm going to New Brunswick. I'm going to Asbury park. I'm going to Montclair. There's really not much in like the summit area of New Jersey, but I don't know. Fucking prove me wrong. Let me see if I can <laughs> find something in this area. That'd be great. But, so, uh, how did like a group of guys like you guys from your area, um, manage to, form a hardcore band when your area is generally not um, a product of that? Uh, I have no idea. I feel like it's just serendipity. I have no idea. I just, I feel like I, maybe just like there's some stars aligned when we were all in high school, there was like, you know, like a metalhead group and like, they were like the upperclassmen or whatever. And like when me and all like my grade, the freshmen, like this, like metalhead group, you know, like Cannibal Corpse, Slayer, Megadeth, all that good stuff. And they were just like the only, essentially like the only alternative crowd in our high school. Like everyone else wore North Face and Uggs and fucking, and won basketball shorts and fucking, you know, all that. It's just kind of like, you know, either do I either go with that or I'm a fucking metalhead, you know? And so like everyone, if you were not fucking type A Berkeley Heights kid, then you were welcomed into, uh, the metalhead group and so like the essentially like the the way i see it as far as my perspective goes is like the second generation of that metalhead group when we when we became there was just enough of us all of us played instruments there must have been like i don't know i'm also in a funk band and there's like 10 people in in that band and all of them we went to high school with and all of them were in the same age range as me and like uh where we, we all just played instruments so it's like whenever someone had an idea it's like hey i want to do this everyone would just learn had a could be one genre could be another you know i don't know but like i think that's how it happened it's just like a weird little uh fucking petri dish you know in the middle of nowhere as far as that goes i think that's awesome that you guys were all able to come together kind of like outcasts and just different from the the norm from your area and just kind of stick together and just do cool shit yeah it was i mean (coughs) I, I count my blessings every day because they're all still part of my life. It's, I, have a, I have a lot of very close. It's weird. I have like twenty, like very, very close friends. Very. Uh, it's a very. I mean, it, it's only because of you know. I don't know. It's just 
you got nothing else when you, when you go to a school like that. I'm sure I'm, you may be very aware of it too. It's just like there's there's not many options. It's like you take what it's that, that that's a very important part of part of life too when you uh got to make that decision. You know, I uh, moved away from where I grew up most of my life. Like I literally lived um, in this city called La Quinta. It's like um, it's like maybe like 20 miles east of Palm Springs. That's like the like the, the major city near us. So I like lived here for like um, like 20. Yeah, it was like 21 years. And then I moved to Orange County with some friends and it was some rough years because I I moved away like missing all my friends quote unquote and slowly realized that nobody really liked me to begin with because I, I left and um, nobody cared to stay in touch um, except for my one friend yep. um, my, my one friend Nate um, so shout outs to Nate but um, it was just like a hard pill to swallow and I was like okay whatever like I'm in this like new area cool I'll just meet a bunch of awesome new people and spent years like dealing with um like people that i just didn't like being around just because um like i didn't w- want to be like a social dick rider i just wanted to just have right. real friends i'm not it's, it's not a competition to me you know like i, I want to hang out and be right. around people who are going to be real and like me for me not because they want instagram followers or more likes on their photo i'm just like fuck all that i'd rather yeah. have like you know a few close friends than a bunch of fake friends you know yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I feel that. It's 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 really hard to come by that too, and it, it's like, as 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 much as I wish I could empathize, like I can only sympathize. Like I, I would I, it's I've, I've watched people have to deal with you know like struggling finding people that are just genuine, you know, just like normal, you know, just like <laughs> like uh, not assholes who just fucking use people, just a nice person, just to spend time with, just a fucking friend, you know. It's not as easy as, uh, like, uh, I guess the children's books made it seem back in the day. Yeah, it's a trip, but it's um, it made me kind of uh, just I guess I, I like don't really like to waste my time with like a lot of people because I just yeah. now like it's so bad. I just assume um, most people are uh, aren't like that genuine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's, that's, I feel, I feel like even, you know, like it's not everyone I deal with, uh, when I'm, when I'm playing shows and this goes with like any genre of music, I'm not, not even hardcore specifically, like, like just dealing with most people in, in music. It's, 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 it's kind of like, uh, you get a real quick crash course on how shitty people can possibly get, you know, it's obviously not everyone, but you definitely see that stuff. I'm so like outside of this podcast, I'm like antisocial for, for the most part. I, you know, ro- I'll roll out to shows, um, say what's like, what's up to the people that I like. And most of them I'll just keep to myself just because I'm not out there trying to, you know, be the center of attention. Cause I don't really like that anyways. So, um, it, it's, it's kind of sad, but like outside of this, I, I, I don't really like to, um, be that social outside of the people that I'm already friends with. Um, yeah, yeah, but, but it, it's such a yeah. weird like like thing because there's so many people out there that I want like want to talk to. So I use the opportunity when I'm at shows to go and approach people that are there locally that I want to have on the podcast. But it, it's like to me, 
that's probably the one thing that I hate about doing this podcast is like trying to pitch myself to people. I, I feel like I'm trying to sell something and it's just, it's so bad. And like, I get yeah, so nervous yeah. all the time. Cause it's just like, uh, this, this sounds so gross. <laughs> nah, that, I mean, I, I can only imagine it's tough. Like, you know, like I, I feel like having just a long format like this, where it's just like, you know, you're talking to people expecting someone to like, listen to that is like, it feels like it's a tall order, even though an hour out of someone's day really isn't that much, especially when all they have to do is listen. They can... <laughs> but people don't think about that. You know, they're not thinking about the fact that, oh, I could just listen to it on a commute or I could just, you know, listen to it in the background while I'm fucking cooking or some shit. Instead, they're just like, oh, that seems like some effort that I don't want to fucking put in, you know? <laughs> so everyone, everyone's got their excuse, but I don't know. I have those excuses sometimes too. It's whatever. But yeah, you're right. So like sometimes I feel like I'm a fiend because I just love listening to podcasts and I like I hate when I'm like caught up on all my podcasts and I'm like, damn it, when's like the next new episode coming out or I'll just get frustrated <laughs> and like I'll just like be like, all right, I guess I have to listen to music because there's nothing else to listen to. <laughs> yeah, you've gotten to that point in your life. It's like, I guess I'll listen to music. All right. Well, speaking of music. MVA, um, you guys put out that synthetic EP in October of last yeah. year, um, which I thought was awesome. I, I was like uh, really like into the music and I was like happy when you um, like messaged me because like I had never heard of you guys before. And I was like, oh, like, cool. This is yeah, like some, yeah. some band from Jersey that I must have overlooked. And I went and checked out your guys' band camp and I was wondering for 2019 are you guys planning to put out any new music do you guys have plans to be like more busy as far as like touring or playing more shows locally yeah well actually we're we're like in a weird situation now where half of us andy andy and Silvio, live in california they both moved out andy moved to san diego and Silvio moved to huntington beach so they're like two hours away from each other like an hour away from each other i can't remember and uh Nick, he lives in Jersey City, and I'm pretty sure I'm like pretty soon I'm gonna be moving to like uh, Nashville in like March or like so somewhere around March or something like that. So like we're already spread out. But with that being said, we're like uh, like kind of just planning on flying everywhere. So like we're putting a weekend together uh, in the spring right now in South uh, like South like SoCal somewhere around Arizona, I think. So if you want to fucking swing through, feel free. Wait, that's awesome. <laughs> I'm I'm definitely down. That yeah. that's crazy. Yeah, so we're gonna do that, and we also uh, right before Silvio moved over to Huntington Beach, we uh, tracked a two song tape. Uh, we actually tracked with uh, Sean from Prospect um, in Jersey. I don't know if you know Prospect, but the fucking shout out Sean, shout out Prospect. <laughs> but uh, he, he works at. Um, I think it's like East Tracks or something like that. Some studio is like Hate Breed, and my No Mammoth Grinder just recorded their latest record there. Uh, okay, that, that's uh, awesome. The, the, yeah, it's a great, great studio. So we did we did a two song tape there, and we're finishing it up right now. Uh, we're gonna put that out, and I'm in the midst of writing an LP. Um, like right now, I'm demoing a lot of riffs out. So it's it, like we we have a full length record kind of in its infancy right now, but. We got two songs to hold people over for a little bit. Uh, we got some, yeah, we got that. We got that weekend that we're trying to put together. I believe it's in April. 
um, in SoCal, and I think Arizona, something like that. Um, I can I can give definites later, but yeah. So in April or something like that in SoCal, and then we're also trying to put out some or do some uh, East Coast states in the summer as well. We maybe like a, like a week long thing in the summer because the way we see it is you know if we're playing live, if we're flying across the country to do it, we're going to do it in spurts, you know. So like uh, two at least like two to three shows. And then, like, if we can, like, do, like, a week, that'd be fucking tight. That's awesome. Do you know why um, Andy and Silvio moved to California? Yeah. Uh, Andy moved out with his girlfriend, Emma. She he does, like, this crazy stuff where she, like, works for the state to, like, assess, like, like, like essentially property value or, like, uh, like the value of, like, a building. Um, so she can like, like she can essentially claim a building like historic or whatever. Like if, if it's historic, you can't like knock it down or like, I don't know, but like, it's like some pretty crazy stuff. And I think she got an opportunity out there, which is like, you cannot pass up. Like, like it, it's like a really cool job. She like sends pictures and shit of like houses from around San Diego. That's fucking dope. But so I, I think he flew out there with her for that. And like, he got like a teaching gig out there cause he teaches. Okay. Um, yeah, so he's doing some stuff out there with her, and like it looks fucking awesome. I'm gonna fucking fly out there and visit them just to push it and gigs. But then also Silvio uh, flew out there for for just essentially, I think he's just trying out his art out there. It's his art, he does a lot of uh, just like graphic, not just graphic design, but like you know, like like he hand draws like like show flyers and uh, like like business like logos and like all this stuff like. He does like commissioned art and stuff and uh his style is very like it is very just california i, I mean it's you can look it up it's like uh i don't know just like type in like silvio Kappa fairy on instagram and you'll find all that good stuff but like he's doing that out there and i don't know that that's why they went out there and then i'm, I'm going to nashville because i have i'm just trying to do music 360 degrees i'm, I'm i don't know do hardcore and pop and country all that good stuff but we i don't know we all have our own reason yeah i think it's interesting that silvio's in huntington beach because that's local to me because i'm in anaheim so that's like maybe like 20 to like 30 minutes just depending on traffic so i think that's pretty interesting (laughs) yeah and wondering if he like goes to shows out there I, i gotta like link up with him and see what's good yeah he's he's in a band called down goes goodman uh, it's like a skate punk band. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah, they're they're pretty dope. They've played they've played program a couple times for sure. Okay, that's um, definitely local. I'm I've been to like a like a million shows there. Yeah, actually, we're that's one of the ones that's one of the spots we're looking to book a show at when we get out there. If you, <laughs> if you want to uh, <laughs> point us in the right direction, you know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, fucking yeah. He, he, if you just look up uh, down goes Goodman. He goes out to shows, if I'm not mistaken. I just don't know which ones he goes out to. He's fucking, he's all over the place. He likes, I don't know. We all like different types of music, so I don't even know what shows he goes to. Um, going back to you moving to Nashville, um, back in the day, I, I had a buddy. Well, I'm still friends with him. Uh, he used to play in a hardcore band in Denver uh, called Fight Like Hell, and then he uh, got or he started filling in for drums on uh this band from boston called uh death before dishonor and then i'm pretty sure yeah yeah and then i'm I'm pretty sure he moved to nashville or something at some point and was like um doing like 
country stuff because I heard like that was like the move because they make like pretty good. Yeah, money. that is the move. It seems to be. Um, <laughs> Na- Nashville is uh, rife with that shit, man. It's like like every block you turn it doesn't even matter what, what what part of town you're in. Uh, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of country, but there's just a lot of everything. There's like there's just a lot of music. There's so much. It's it's absurd how how packed that fucking however many square miles that city is like how packed it is with music it's uh i'm going down there just for because like i i've been writing i mean i've been writing hardcore for for a while but i've I've been writing for like pop and 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 other stuff for even longer so i'm I'm trying to just like i don't know i want to just produce and arrange for people and and not play on stage anymore (laughs) i'm not i'm not over like playing live but like i've played live for a while like you know shows playing shows is great like i don't think i'll ever get tired of playing hardcore shows but like as far as like playing any other kind of show like nothing <laughs> i guess that kind of segues back into the NBA. like nothing really compares to the energy i feel at hardcore shows so whenever i go to another kind of show it's like enjoyable for sure but like i don't know i'm kind of left with like the i don't know what do i do with all this leftover energy i'm feeling you know <laughs> I feel that on so many different levels because I, I go to like um, like all sorts of other shows like rap, um, you know, alternative, yeah. like pop punk, whatever. And sometimes I'll find myself in the crowd like, man, this is so boring. Like I want to be like spin kicking somebody or jumping off stage and like landing on people's faces. But instead, like yeah. I just have to be like, you know, more civilized and I'm not like, yeah. uh, you know, just letting out all this crazy energy that I have. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's like the, the curse you get, right? When you're, when you're into this kind of music, it's like every other show you go to, no matter how insane someone may say it was, it's like, well, I mean, you never fucking saw like fucking code orange at fucking game changer world in Homedale right before they shut it down. Like, I don't know. Like I, like, I don't know. Maybe our rubric is a different rubric, but I don't know. <laughs> I, I remember it was like, <sighs> I don't actually I can't remember it was X amount of years ago my buddy and I we had tickets to go see Touche Amore and Julian Baker at Chain Reaction but also that same night we had tickets to see the Anaheim Ducks play so we went and watched the the Ducks play thinking that Julian Baker would be finished by the time we were done because at the time we didn't know who she was and we just wanted to see Touche so we went went to the game got to chain reaction and Julian Baker was still performing and her music is like super chill, like really calm. It makes me cry. Yeah. And like <laughs> we went from like this hockey game where everybody's like, you know, screaming, we're jumping up and down, like, like, you know, high energy. And then we walk into this room and it's just so calm. I felt like I was going crazy. Cause like my insides, I, I was like still at the hockey game. Like I was like ready to just yeah. be like, you know, screaming along to touche, like, you know, uh, stage diving, just doing crazy stuff. But like, we got there like early. So we, we just had to like stand in this crowd and like, it, it was this weird feeling. Like I, I just wanted to get out of there because it was just so chill. And like, <laughs> my, like the adrenaline hadn't gone away yet. It, it was wild. Yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. That's like, uh, I don't know. It goes to show you how, how much it gets like, you know, gets you going whenever you're at, you're at a show like that. Like, I don't, I'm not good at like showing it. Like, I mean, I'm in what they call a, a mosh retirement. I guess you could say like okay. I haven't I haven't I haven't I mean I fucking I saw a fucking mammoth grinder. That's the last time I really fucking 
popped off, I guess. But like before that, like I haven't moshed for a while just cause like, I don't know. I, I have like a weird, like a weird, like sick obsession with like, like listening really intently to, uh, to like exactly like what's written. And like, I, I really enjoy like, I don't know, like, like the, like the gritty shitty details of every shitty band. You know what I mean? So I feel like a guy like, I've become obsessed with just more listening than anything else. And I don't know, as douchey as that may sound, I feel like that's, I don't know. That's oh. fucking old. <laughs> I definitely don't think that's douchey because you're there be- because you want to enjoy the music. So obviously you're listening and watching from like a more technical aspect. Yeah. I, I, I feel like every, every, every band I've ever played with, no matter how like young they may be or old they may be like, I don't know, every band you play with, you got, you got something to learn from, from, from them. Like they're bringing something to the table. Someone else is not, you know? And so I, I think everyone should be listened to like just as intently as the last band, you know, then, then I think that goes without saying, I'm sure you agree with that. But, you know. Yeah. Most of the time when I go to hardcore shows, if there's bands on the flyer that I, I don't recognize, beforehand I'll, I'll do some research and try to see if i'm actually into the music because i don't want to yeah. um, go to the show and miss out on something that i could have enjoyed yeah yeah 100 percent. i mean i i get a little like discouraged because it's like i mean the, the scene is pretty great in new jersey but it's like so small it's like it's like uh you know especially with hardcore i feel like it's uh New Jersey, I mean, at least as far as where we're from, we're not from the shore, and it's bumping at the shore right now. Like, shore style is like kind of like running the New Jersey, the Jersey scene, like kind of like the Philly area, but like we're from a more northern area. Where we're from like, you know, like we we were living in in Bloomfield for a while. Actually, Silvio, Nick, and I moved into a house in Bloomfield for about two years, and uh, that's up by Montclair, which is what I said before. Is like they they got like the meat locker, which is like kind of just like. I don't know. One of the, easily one of the best venues in New Jersey, and uh, like ev- every type of music goes through there. And I don't know. I've seen some of the best shows of my life in that in that venue. But uh, I don't know. It's very small. It's very like you definitely have to go to the shore in New Jersey for uh, some really like for like a big community of hardcore. I think the more south you go in Jersey, the more fruitful it is. Where's Floor Punch? That's what I want to know. Floor punch. Ah, uh, floor punch. Actually, was actually from around my area. If I'm not mistaken. Um, I'm not sure if they're from like around Summit, but um, no, they actually. I mean, they actually came from around. I think that and the Gorilla Biscuits and all that stuff. Like they came from more North Jersey, more near New York. But like that was also like a bit a bit of time ago. Like that was like late '90s or like early 2000s. That was and, like, yeah, I guess that was when shit was popping off in this area of New Jersey for sure. Damn. Uh, real quick, you brought up the Gorilla Biscuits. Um, and right what now. What did he die today? Yeah, it's uh, really sad. So I, I just want to send, um, you know, positive energy to Alex Brown's uh, friends and family because I can't imagine what they're all going through. The, the impact yeah. that he had on the scene is just. Um, amazing so it's just sad to see somebody like that um go dude talk about a riff writer yeah it's it's like it's crazy that like 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 i don't i don't know who who deals with death well but just um being around 
for so long in the scene is just like now we're seeing like our like favorite people in hardcore like in these like legendary bands starting to pass it's just it's just sad to yeah. me so it's, it's just uh it's just such a bummer dude hardcore is getting kind of old like i mean i have i have strong strong faith in how hardcore kind of influences a lot of a lot of subculture and you know like skate culture influence i mean it's you know two-way street but you're right like you know we're, we're starting to see i mean now because hardcore is aging we're starting to see a lot of those like heroes of hardcore like just drop off like it's it's, it's getting to that point it's pretty crazy it's pretty it's you know it, it, it you know especially when you see it like today you know like it just happened like he just i don't know it's crazy and again yeah like they like gorilla biscuits they are that's terrible man <laughs> Yeah, so just wanted to bring that up and just send out good vibes to them. But going yeah. back to what we were talking about, uh, short style and floor punch, um, I really like floor punch. <laughs> I'm, I, I first yeah. first uh, found out about them, this is like back in the day, um, that band that I talked about earlier from Denver, Fight Like Hell, they used to cover let it ride and back then i was yeah. i was younger and i i always um knew that that song sounded different than all of the other songs that fight like hell would play so i talked to the singer i'm like yo like why is that song sound so different and then he told me he's like oh it's a cover from a band called floor punch like you should check them out and like after that i was like okay this is crazy this is awesome yeah I mean, I, they, if I'm not mistaken, they have that, uh, like that classic, like mid to like low tempo, like not like beat down necessarily, but like just pissed the fuck off, you know, writing like that, like the, like, I don't know. I, I, I speak in terms of like, I don't know. I, I speak generally, <laughs> but yeah, I, I remember that being like, I never listened to much for punch, but I do know they played a heavy role. My, I had, I had a buddy, uh, I actually just met him um, in the summer. His name's Dave Murphy, and uh, he ran like a deli in the Summit area. And he he was I think he said he was part of like that Floor Punch crew. Uh, he was like showing us his like his apartment and shit. And he was just like there's like pictures of like 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 the backs like the backsides of of uh, like seven inches by them or like twelve inches by Floor Punch. And it was just like a live shot of the crowd, and he's like on like on top of them like fucking like doing a salto fucking <laughs> like jumping on people and shit he's like that's me wait real it, quick it is crazy to fucking sorry uh, no go ahead I was, I was just crazy to have that type of history right there <laughs> like he 10 minute drive from my house you know someone like that so how did you go from just knowing him from the deli to being in his apartment that's what i want to know i was i was actually invited to like a pig roast and the it was just like a buddy of mine who invited me and I guess his friend lived in the same house as this guy. And so Dave lived upstairs and he actually moved up to like, I think Boston. And so he was like moving out and like Nick, uh, yeah, Nick and I fucking, we were there and he invites us up cause we, we were talking about how we play an MVA and we, we were about to play with like terror at, uh, like, uh, I don't know, some music hall in New Jersey. And we were talking about that and he like popped his head in on the conversation. He's like, yo, like come check out my apartment. And like we dude, his apartment was just like a, like a museum. 
like of hardcore. It was unbelievable. He like he like wouldn't let us leave without like he was like handing me records. He handed me like this Cro-Mags, the Age of Quarrel, uh, twelve inch. Uh, that was for like WFMU or like some some radio station that like cut out like the Cro-Mags logo and it's like you know the pen written all over like WFMU WFMU like all over the place like he gave me like some seven inches like a Stag Party seven inch shout out Stag Party the fucking dope ass punk coming out of Jersey but like he gave me like a Stag Party seven inch he gave me like a Raw Brigade seven inch shout out Raw Brigade the fucking they're from Chile if I'm not mistaken fucking. But yeah, like he just like handed us a bunch of stuff because he was moving, so like we got like all this memorabilia. Yeah, he was telling us he was he was in the youth crew with uh, Four Punch, which is why I even brought it up to begin with. He he was like uh, part of their gang, if I remember correctly. Damn, that's so crazy, but also really cool at the same time. Yeah, yeah, it was some weird small world stuff. I mean, and the other thing is like he's like really good friends with a lot of you know the people I work with. Like I I work with this 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 guy Sterling Drake who actually lives in Nashville. I'm planning on moving in with him when I get down there. And him and I write like music together. And he came up around the summit area and like he knew Dave as well. I'm pretty sure he even worked for him in that deli. Um, and like, you know, like they, they, they'd like house like touring bands, like, like, uh, I think like whenever, like, you know, trash talking, like all those like other bands, like even like, I don't know, I can't remember, but they just like house whoever was in the area, you know, for a night if they're touring, which is really cool. Trash talk. What happened to them? Oh man, I don't know. They're one of my favorites for sure. Dude, they're one of the most influential bands for the NBA sound, without a doubt. That's awesome. I last time I saw Trash Talk, I can remember it clearly. It was in, um, it was at the Observatory in, in Santa Ana in the Constellation Room, and I remember at the time none of my friends wanted to go because at that time everybody's like, "Oh, Trash Talk sucks. They're not what they used to be." Blah blah blah. So I was just like, "Whatever. I'm gonna go by myself because I still like this band. I feel like everything they've released is cool, and I'm still a fan of Trash Talk." So I remember walking into the show and the crowd was mixed. There was like, um, like a sea of like, you know, those golf wing, uh, odd feature kids. Yeah, and there was like, head. yeah. And there was like sprinkles of hardcore kids. And I was like, Whoa, this is, yeah. this is a little strange. And they played the show. They put on just like their normal performance, you know, going crazy. Um, the singer Lee was like jumping off the bar and like, you know, uh, yeah. stage diving on everybody. Um, but yeah, exactly. the main difference was um, everybody was singing along, but there wasn't as much moshing. So I, I thought that was like yeah, really man. interesting. It, it seems to have been like a, like a trade off. Like they, they seem to have like gained a, pretty steady amount of like underground notoriety so like not only does like the alternative underground like hardcore and punk and all that stuff not only are we aware of trash talk but now you have like the alternative underground of hip-hop that's also very aware of trash talk so now like the crowds you get you know it's like a very mixed crowd it's like a bunch of different types of people so like whatever population of people that are like gonna fucking crowd kill or like i don't know like really really mosh like that population is just like cutting like three or something like that. And instead it's like replaced with like people who are just there and just like trying to like hang out, you know? So it's like the show's kind of changed. Like I've heard stories about trash talk playing like Brooklyn and like the Bronx and shit like that, like years ago, like before like eyes and nines came out and like those shows were like, like talk. I mean, yeah, Lee hangs from the rafters now, but like 
like they would be crawling around the room. Like it was like those shows. Apparently I, I never, I ever, I was too young. I wasn't even like, I wasn't aware in time <laughs> of trash talks, but back, like, I guess during like plagues when they put out plagues and stuff like that, like, uh, like that was like, I don't know. Those were the heydays of, of trash talk. And even now, dude, like forget about all that shit. Like they're still like, like ripping it like it's absurd how high energy their sets are and i don't know what's happening to them i don't i don't i haven't heard from them in a bit do you do you have any idea the only thing i know is uh lee has his clothing brand um babylon yeah babylon yeah fuck yeah yeah and i always see kids rocking their stuff and they have their storefront um so i imagine that probably takes up most of his time so i I don't well, really they know. They actually they moved out of that storefront. They're definitely still distributing and manufacturing. I'm pretty sure. Like you could t- totally go on their website and order shit. Uh-huh. But I think they moved out of that house. That, I, I had no idea. I just assumed they're still there. Yeah, dude, I was like so amped on that. Like if like the second I fucking came to the West Coast, I would have been there for sure because I got that like bowl in the back too. I would have fucking. I'm like heavy into skating too, so like I would have been just chilling there, just champing beers. That would have been dope. That would have been cool, cool little hangout session. Pick up some sweet gear and get a little session in. Mm-hmm. I can't skate very well, but I don't know. Yeah. I'd give it a shot. Fuck it. I can't skate at all. If I'm being honest, <laughs> like I, I can, I can roll around and I can pump and like, like not fall off, but I can't like, you know, just kick flip and ollie and tray flip and whatever. I can no comply little bit i can do like a i don't know i'm terrible <laughs> real quick your um little weekend with or in uh california and arizona that you guys are planning um do you guys know who you're gonna be playing it with or is it just um still in the works uh we're not we hit up some uh a couple people to like throw something together for us and like we're not sure on bands yet but we are going to be talking to easy money uh, like they're like a, we're like, I mean, I'm at least I am like a huge fucking fan of theirs. They're from, they're from Arizona. Um, um, but like, yeah, easy money. Like if we can link up with them, like that'll be the move. But yeah, like we're still like, we got to get back to the, the people that are like putting our stuff together because they're kind of taking the reins on that. And I actually don't even know. I'm, I'm very much like not involved with the booking cause I'm terrible with it. Like I'm a scatterbrain when it comes to that kind of shit. So like, you know, about Andy and Nick and Sylvia all handle that. Like, but I mean, if we could get with Easy Money, that'd be the that'd be the move. Like, I don't know if you checked them out, but like, like the second we hang up the phone, you got to check them out because they're, uh, I don't know, they're sick as shit. Yeah, um, I'm actually familiar with them. My, so I have some friends that play in a band um, from Yuma, Arizona, called Beg for Life, and they okay. actually they actually put me on Easy Money. So check them out. They're cool. Like. They they have a pretty uh, solid fan base out here and in Arizona. We're do fucking we'll uh, we'll talk after this. We'll fucking uh, see if we can't even fucking put a show together on our own. Screw it. <laughs> you know, back in the day, I, I tried booking a show. It, it failed miserably, and after that, I was just like, <laughs> I never want to no, book a show I again. I had the exact same situation back. I mean, it wasn't a failure of a show. Okay. It was a failure. If, if it was a failure as far as money went, like it was, there was no money made. In fact, by the end of it, I was just letting people in the door for free. Cause fuck it. You know, <laughs> but I, I didn't even make it, it that was, far. It was, 
I, it was, it, it was, it was great. It was like, it, dude, like, um, there was this band from New Jersey back and forth. Um, they're from like the Navasink area, like fucking like Tom's river, I think something like that. Um, and they were just like tremendous, like just fucking in your face. D beats like wrists were pissed off. Like, Oh my God, they were so good. Um, and so I booked them. I booked this band called vice. I think they're from long Island and, uh, they were awesome too, man. Like this was all like all in the same time frame of like when these bands were like all kicking all at the same time. It was back and forth, Vice and fucking 96. 96 was dope as shit, too. Uh, some of the dudes that were in 96 are playing in Threat to Society now. Okay. Uh, and uh, and also in uh, a band called True, which is which is dope as shit. But uh, yeah, so I looked, it was it was fucking back and forth, uh, Vice and 96, and then like MVA like. And we were just like, this is also like back when we had like a weird lineup, you know, it was like Nick and me, but like, we just had like some friends, uh, on the other instruments. And like, we weren't like, like totally put together. Actually, that may have even been like Silvio's first show or something on drums, you know? Uh, but it was just like a fucking shit show when we played, but then like the rest of the show was just, just nuts, like chaos. It was an amazing show. And like, yeah, I just didn't charge anything for tickets. Cause like not enough people came. I was like, I'm not going to even bother with like, you know, worrying about money, like, fuck it. Like it was, it turned out being okay. But like, I guess you said you did your show even happen to begin with. No. So my buddy, who's a book shows out here in the desert, uh, Steve Kipple, Blackheart productions. They let me and my friends like kind of have like a little like imprint. Like we'll, they let us like use their name, uh, just cause they have like a lot of good rapport with like venues around town and they have like a rich history in booking shows. And we, got uh, this place in the city called Indio. It was like some little like abandoned restaurant that they were doing shows in. So we got the okay from the restaurant. Like, cool. Like you guys can book your show, blah, blah, blah. So contacted the bands. I can't remember um, the whole lineup, but it was a tour. And one of the bands was this uh, awesome band from Fallbrook called life or death. And I was like super stoked to have all all the bands confirmed, and the, the people at the restaurant hit us up, and they wanted to like have like a meeting so we can do like a little walkthrough and talk about the show. And the lady who was like running the restaurant, she uh, it wasn't even a restaurant anymore. Um, it was just like turned into this like weird like bar space. So she like asked us if we would be selling alcohol and there was like a lot of like underage kids that were going to be at the show and like straight edge kids. So I told her straight up, I was right. like, honestly, I don't think we're going to sell a lot of alcohol. That's not like the main focus here. And she like went crazy and was like, all right, we're going to cancel it. We don't want to do this anymore. And we're just like shit. So, huh. um, we had to tell all the bands that we had to cancel the, the show. It was such a like shitty situation. Damn. Yeah, I, I felt bad because obviously they added our date to um, their tour route, and like I felt like I screwed them because now they had to like you know fix it, and I don't even think they found another show for that day. I think they just had to take take the day off. Yeah. God damn, that sucks. <laughs> That's way worse than my story. <laughs> it was just frustrating because we hyped it up. We had like a flyer made and everything, and then last minute the venue pulled the plug, and we couldn't really take it anywhere else. Yeah, man. I mean, it does suck because a lot of uh, 
lot of uh, restaurants' money, or I guess venues' money, really does depend on alcohol, which fucking blows. I wish there was. I mean, that's the thing: is how are you going to make a venue space without a bar? How are you going to make that make money frequently? You know. What what town was that in? Uh, the city of Indio. Oh yeah, you said that. Yeah. But it's all right. I I understand that there's like this crazy process, so I uh, you know salute and respect everybody who um, books shows because it's not easy, and I wouldn't want to do it. Yeah, that is that is. It seems like that's like the unsung. Those are like the unsung heroes of scenes, right? Because like they kind of like put everything together and like kind of get none of the credit, you know? Like, I mean, not none of the credit. Obviously, like people you know people who know what's up, like they'll like thank you know, promoters for putting shows together. But like oftentimes like they're the most demonized people, you know, for like, you know, putting a show together with like, maybe they like booked a band unknowing that like they, they didn't know that it was like a white supremacist band. So then all of a sudden they get like blacklisted or something. And they're like, damn, like if I just known, like, you know, it's just like, I feel like, I mean, obviously if you're in a band, you gotta, you know, be a decent human being <laughs> to some degree. I don't know. This is, that's what I believe. But like, even as promoters, like, I feel like it's just as volatile. Like you're very much like, and there's not as much thanks, you know, promoter. There's, there's so much work and not much, uh, gratitude in, in return. I get bummed when I see people like trashing a lineup before the show even happens. For like a show. Yeah. Well, like, like a show or a fest, you know, people you yeah. know, run to Twitter and be like, why is so-and-so on the bill or this lineup oh, sucks? So silly. It, you know. so silly. Yeah. It doesn't make sense to me. Like I understand not everybody will like love like a lineup, but to go out of your way to, to shit on it is just so lame it's to just, me. It's just like, I mean, like I, I live by the code of, you know, beggars can't be choosers, right? Like, you're not putting the show together. So why are you upset? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, why are you upset with the lineup that like someone else made someone else put work into, you know? Yeah. It's like, it's hardcore. You can come out and support or just, you know, fall back and, you know, go curate your own show. Yeah. That, that, that to me, that's like a, like a no-brainer right like if you're if you're complaining about what someone else is doing for the community then just like do the same thing but better instead of complaining. <laughs> i don't know what to say like yeah but that's when people realize oh it takes work to do it and they're either lazy or they're not actually dedicated so it's easier for them just to yeah. run to social media and trash on it yeah yeah, you know, ways she goes. Er, um, earlier, you brought up uh, Sterling Drake. Yeah. Now, friend of mine. Oh, okay. So you guys are friends. It's not just like a working relationship. No, no, it's both. We our our uh, our relationship grew as our uh, music relationship grew. It, it very much was kind of, hey, like come over, let's track some music because we both knew we wrote music. Uh, and so, I don't know, like, I, I kind of just started, I, our, fr- <laughs> our French, our friendship blossomed as our, uh, as our music relationship did. Okay. You guys have a 
should I call it like a project or a band um, called uh, Cult Control? Yeah, that, that's yeah. It's, I guess it's a project we did. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, can you tell me about it? Do you because um, on the band camp it says it's um, produced, written, and recorded and performed by you guys, um, and then it also has like other names that are featured performances. So, how does that work? Do you guys? Um, always perform and just get um, other people to fill in to fill out the band or how does that work? Yeah. Yeah, no, uh, it's, it's kind of the same deal as, as, uh, as MVA where it's just, everything's done by me, but it, it but in, in this case, it's basically split right down the middle of Sterling. Like I, like I play drums and, uh, and bass and I can do like some pretty good rhythm guitar like I can write on all three instruments and, and I have on my own and so has Sterling. He's written on all three instruments on his own as well. So like when we came together, like it was like no, neither one of us were playing one thing or another. It was kind of just like, uh, I mean, I guess I was playing bass on everything, <laughs> but like drums was like a mutual, like we, we, we would write drums together. We would write guitar and like, I mean, some songs were, you know, maybe com- like some p- parts of the songs were composed and then brought to someone. Like I would like write something and bring it to him and then we'd make a song out of it or vice versa. Or, like he'd pick of something and bring it to me and we'd make a song out of it. But yeah, that's some like, that's some, uh, it's kind of the, po- the type of pop I've been wanting to write for a long time where it's very, uh, I mean, it's got a happy feeling, but it's, it's mostly about like, if you, if you read the lyrics, like it's not about the happiest stuff. Um, maybe it's about like heartbreak or whatever, but like, I like just like juxtaposing, you know, how music, how music sounds versus the message. I think that's, I think it, it adds like a dimension to the music you make. So I, I did that with, with, with him and it worked out really well, which is why we're, we're kind of getting out to Nashville because we're going to try and take that same approach, but to basically every type of genre that we can, cause you know, we, we could, we could write much more different type of music than just that. Well, I feel like the title of the record is very fitting. Some days are better th- than others. Yeah. Yeah, that was, uh, yeah. I, I, I think um, I saw that on a cab somewhere in New York. It was it was really weird because you wouldn't expect to see that like on, I mean, really anywhere on a sign, but on a cab. And it was like, and you know, like like the, the stickers where every sticker is a letter and someone would have to like, put on every letter on its own to make, you know, it's kind of like the magnets on the, on the refrigerator, but with letters instead of words, you know? Okay. And like, yeah. And so like, they like wrote, it was like on the side, like this like shitty white cab. Cause like, you know, I don't know if you've ever been in New York city, but like cabs are fucking yellow. Like the city cabs are yellow and just, you know, there's like a bunch of like demarcations, like little insignias here and there. It's like, you know, you know, a new New York city cab versus like a knockoff cab. And this is like a knockoff cab, and it's just like it just said that on the side of the cab, and uh, I don't know, it, it, it like resonated like heavy with me, and I just kept thinking about it, and then I, I showed it to Sterling, and it, then it, then it stuck in his head too. Like two weeks later, he came back to me, and he's like, "Yeah, let's use that. That's a really good one." Yeah, I, I I like that name a lot. Did you get in the cab? <laughs> no, I did not. No, it passed by. Okay. Yeah, definitely digging that music, and I'll link them in the show notes, and everybody should go check out Cold yeah. Control. 
I, I thought it was really interesting, um, just like that type of music, because I knew of you because of MVA. And when I went to your Instagram, I saw that you had um, the band camp for cold control in your bio. So I, I clicked that and this was like not what I was expecting at all. So <laughs> I was like pleasantly surprised. I'm like, oh, this music's like really chill and I can like vibe out to this. And I'm just like, this is crazy. Like I'm like super into this. So that's why like I just had to like ask you about it. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, it, it, again, it's like, uh, I guess I've just, Sterling too, both of us have had a real, uh, we've had our eye on like pop music for a long time. I'm not, I'm not a big fan of most, of most pop music, but I fucking love like the idea behind writing pop music and like, uh, and, 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 and like treating everything like, I guess delicately and like, you know, being really meticulous um with like song arrangement and stuff like that so like finally getting something like that done and putting it out there was like really cathartic for both him and i because i guess we both kind of had it a little bit like pent up because you know when you're when you're writing like hardcore and punk and shit like that for like 10 years it's like you know i have other feelings besides like aggression or like uh you know or, or like disdain or anything like that like i don't always feel that like even though it feels really good to let that out, uh, in hardcore, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I, I, I'm like a jazz, like drummer. Like when I picked up an instrument, when I was a kid, I was listening to jazz. So it's like, I'm not just going to harp on heavy music. My, if, if I'm going to harp on heavy music my whole life, I better harp on some other types of music while I'm at it. So I don't drive myself nuts. Yeah. I'm really surprised when I talk to people about music and, um, they're, close-minded about it like when people are you know a hundred percent hardcore and just they're just like fuck everything else that right. really just like blows my mind because growing up I didn't listen to hardcore growing up I found out about it when I was in high school so there was yeah. like a million other things that I was into before that and just yeah. because I found like a new genre that I love it doesn't mean that I have to cast out everything else like I'm able to enjoy all types of different music yeah I, I and i think it only does it only does you a service like if you if you're in a hardcore band um getting into different types of music only makes whatever you write for your band better like when you when you let different versions of rock or like <laughs> hip-hop or trap in or like maybe even like motown or like funk or like early like you know like the like maybe i don't know motorhead who cares like if you just let that in, like, like chances are whatever you're writing is going to be more special. You know, it's not going to be like, it'll still be dope. You know, whatever you're writing will still be great, but like, it's also going to be influenced by like, not just other hardcore bands, you know? Yeah. I feel like it'll give it like its own special little flair and, you know, could give it that little thing that sticks out and you know, catches more people's ear than just your standard uh, hardcore band. Yeah. That, I mean, that's, that's what we really try and do with, with like MVA. We like try to like, cause like, I mean, I'm like first and foremost a drummer, like even though I play guitar in the band, like, um, I like, I think rhythmically more so than like tonally. So like, I'm not, I'm not concerned about notes as much as I am, as I am concerned about like how I'm playing the notes, which is why, like, if you listen to like the riffs in MVA, like they're all very like, uh, I think the word is chromatic. So they're all like right next to each other. They're all half steps, you know, like okay. it's more of like, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to convey like a feeling as opposed to like, uh, trying to stick to like a, 
like a scale or like a, a key. Like instead of like having a key in a song, like having like a, 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 a rhythmic feeling in the song that, that, that is, is the key. It's just not a tonal key. It's just like, you know what I mean? It's just very hard to, to describe how to, I don't know. Well, I'm trying to understand because I'm not like uh, well versed in like writing music at all. Yeah, it's it's right. Writing heavy music is like there's I mean, you know, writing music in general, there's a lot of borrowing. People call it stealing. But I would argue it's just borrowing because it's just an idea. No one owns an idea, you know, so like there's a lot of borrowing of, of ideas. So like in hardcore, it's like. I feel like bands are separated by like how much they borrow ideas. It's like this band doesn't borrow many ideas and they come up with like a lot of their own ideas and they're different because of that. But this band is also really dope because they do borrow a lot of the right ideas from like past bands, you know, like maybe they like take like a rhythm from like one riff from like, you know, some band they listened to in the nineties and they like, it's 2019 and like they just wrote a song and they use the same rhythm from that band in the nineties. Like there's nothing wrong with that. It's just that some bands do that more than others. I think it's, I think it's cool to like, kind of like, it's, it's hard to describe that too, because it's like, I can't expect everyone to listen to, you know, hardcore with that much of a, of a, of, a, of like a screw, like, like being like using so much scrutiny, you know, like I don't expect people to tear it down like I do in my mind, but uh, like it's, it's, it's stuff like that. Like, uh, I don't know. It, it, it's hard to describe. Growing like up in hardcore um, or in my early years of hardcore, um, one band that I was introduced to was uh, Guns Up, and they were described to me yeah. as a no warning ripoff band. And I was just like, okay, that's very interesting. Like I've never heard of um, either, so like I had to like check out both. And I was like, okay, like right. I, I can see how people would say that about guns up. It definitely sounds like they were influenced by no warning. And, um, there were people were like trying to diminish guns up for sounding like that, but I didn't take it like that. I was like, okay, this is cool. Two bands, similar sounds. Like I don't really see anything wrong with it. Cause they weren't like completely ripping them off. Right. Yeah. I, I, I think that, you know, especially in hardcore, there's not much wiggle room. Like there's not much you can really do within like, like the basic realm of like riff writing or like, you know, if you're thinking in terms of tempo, like how fast you're playing, like most of hardcore has been done. Like it's been, most of hardcore has been written as far as I'm concerned. Like now it's like more, more about if you're like a hardcore band trying to write like relevant hardcore, it's more about, how you like how you implement the tools that everyone's already been using and then also kind of like finding some room to like like sprinkle in like your own like ideas that come from outside of hardcore like i try and like 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 there's like a couple of our songs where like i try and like add like a latin influence like the rhythms are like kind of polyrhythmic where like it, it's hard to describe but it's like putting three over 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 two in like in in the music and like the bass drum kind of sounds like it's losing control even though it's 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 hard to describe it it's like if you don't have if all you know is like just hardcore bands and like it's like uh that's fine but like that's the angle you're going to be coming from you know i feel 
that um, hardcore music, it, it, it's like a big like uh, like cycle when yeah when i first got into it like more of the like the heavier stuff was more prominent and popular that's like you know what like attracted like a lot of people in my area to shows and then growing with it i'm i you know discovered youth crew um a lot of the faster stuff and then that caught on yeah exactly um rest in peace champion um i (laughs) saw them saw them uh once with uh, blue Monday and carry on if I re- remember correctly, Damn. but, um, uh, yeah. And then the youth crew stuff caught on and then that started to fade. Then it was like the like nineties, like New York style, hardcore. And then like yeah. metalcore was a popular and then like heavy hardcore, like became popular again. And it's just like, okay, cool. Like, like uh, this thing comes in cycles and, yeah. and, and yeah. like, not like, like obviously all genres are going to be played through this cycle, but like what's popular at the time, that's what the hardcore kids are going to be more focused on. But also like you can't forget the other styles because there's bands who um, just come in, I think at the wrong time and don't get the shine or recognition um, for what they're doing because of their sound. So for me, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, for me, it's just like I, I, I try to have my ear to all the different subgenres of hardcore because I don't want to miss something good. Yeah, it's and, and like it's just it's hard to even just know if you're even missing something to begin with, like if what you're listening to you know, maybe puts you off, but like you, there's like something weird about it that you like. And then you wonder like, is this, is this maybe cool now? But I just, I'm not even aware that it's cool now because I'm, you know what I mean? Like I'm out of touch or whatever it is, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy to think of the fact that like, there's going to be a future of hardcore, right? Like that's inevitable. 2019 and 2020 and 2021 of hardcore is coming. Like, how is it, how is it going to come at us? You know what I mean? Like, like, it's it's also crazy because you know now that now that we're getting to an age where we can kind of like, uh, like, you know, stockpile and like organize all the information as time goes on and like, like oh yeah, this era of my life was when hardcore was like this and and so on. It's like like what now that we've done that like what what's like the like you know what's like what's gonna make hardcore cool again? You know what I mean? There's, there's that, that question's always being asked really, but. And I'm always fascinated with that question because I feel like there's like a million different ways it can go. I have no idea, but um, outlets like Hate Five Six that are archiving, you know, sets across the world, I think are very important for like hardcore yeah. in the future because um, their quality of work and the amount of sets that they're able to capture throughout the years is amazing. Um, you know, just for the record books, you know, you can go back and, uh, seek out specific times in hardcore and watch super cool sets. And so I'm very thankful for hate five, six and everybody else that's out there that's doing work to keep the scene alive. Yeah, dude. Sonny, Sonny does some, some crazy, like crazy work. Like it's absurd how much, how much love he has for, for it all. Like, like I understand, like he's like, you know, just like really into, I guess, computers and like doing all that stuff. But like, he's really channeled his love for aggressive music and stuff like that. Like kind of just like made them both one, like his two, like 
most giant passions of his life. I feel like he's just like totally found the way to marry those things, like in the most perfect way. And uh, like, yeah, I think what he's doing is one of the, probably one of the greatest services for hardcore that it could ever ask for. Cause like, you know, when you, when you do something like that, like, you know, you're like, you're immortalizing, you know, those, you know, those, those sets, like it's not, you know, not only is he going out and recording all these sets and he's like doing it frequently, but he's also like working hard to like unearth, like, you know, like these fucking old heads all over the country that just have like a tape in their garage of like, like a fucking early inside out set or like an early, like, like who cares? You know what I mean? Like, and he's like working to like get those tapes into his hands so he can like, you know, add it to the archive. It, it's, it's, I don't know. It's some of the most amazing work I've ever seen done. But I don't know for, for the, for at least for the hardcore scene. Shout outs to MVA because you guys um, have had the opportunity to be filmed by Hate Five Six. How cool is that? Oh, that was awesome. I I I just, I, I don't know. It, it's crazy to me because like I don't know. He's done so much. It was just a trip just to hit him up and for him just to be like, yeah, I can. I was like, yeah, we got a show out here, and he's like, yeah, I'll roll out. And it was like, it wasn't really anything. It was just came through and shot it. And, it's like legitimately an honor, but as casual, like as casual as it was, it's like a, it's an honor. It's just good to like be filmed by him because I don't know he's doing great things. So, a couple of weeks ago, I had on some of your friends from Fence Cutter, and I asked them about this pop punk band that I was into. Um, it was like I think like 2012. Um, hold on, yeah, it was like. 2011, 2012, uh, it was this pop band from New Jersey called True Things, and I was asking them if they've ever heard of them. They never heard of them, so I'm just I've curious. Only, I've only ever heard of the band name. I definitely okay. remember hearing about True Things. I never listened to them, no way, no. Okay. Because I, I would definitely remember if I ever listened to them. All right. I'm like on some weird quest to um, try to, <laughs> to try to find somebody like other than me that knows about this band. Um, I have definitely like, I remember back in the day, like maybe like, like even some of my friends pop punk in, maybe open for them or vice versa. But like, that's all I know. I don't think I've ever listened to them. Okay. Cause they definitely were hardcore kids cause there's videos on them and like on YouTube, the singers wearing like, I think like a bitter end t-shirt. So yeah. So I'm just trying to figure out if anybody knows about this mysterious band. Um, I just checked their band camp and they just released like two new songs, which I think is crazy. So maybe was it been like a while since they put something out? Yeah. So, um, they released uh, two songs this month, or excuse me, last month, I forgot it's February. And before that, the last time they released something was in 2012. Wow. Holy yeah. Shit. So that's a that's a big gap. And I'm hoping yeah, um, somebody um, out there um, in New Jersey that's going to listen to this can point me in the right direction. Uh, link me up with true things, please. <laughs> the quest continues. Yeah, but all right. I, I, that's just like one thing that I want to ask everybody from New Jersey until I um, find them. Yeah, <laughs> I don't blame you. <laughs> all right. Um, I think this is a good time to wrap it up. Word. 
It's been I, a pleasure, man. Yeah, no, no problem. I just want to say thank you um, for taking the time to come on the podcast. It's definitely been fun. I imagine that we would have talked more music, um, but you know, it was yeah. definitely like a great conversation between me and you just about all the things surrounding the two bands that you're in MVA and cold control. So definitely had a really good time. Um, before we go, if there's anything you want to plug or shout out, um, you know, go ahead and do that right now. I mean, fucking, if I'm shouting anything out, it's just the bands we played with fucking without a doubt prospect first and foremost fence cutter for sure. Uh, you know, Fucking, I don't know, Threat to Society, True, all of them. Uh, fucking Roseblood, love those guys. Everyone from New Jersey. Fucking no option. I don't know, the list doesn't end. Ripped Away, all of them, dude. I don't know. I, the list doesn't end. Everybody. But on site, oh my God, I can't even stop. All right, yeah, <laughs> dude, it's, it's been a pleasure. It's, it's, it's been a pleasure, and uh, yeah, dude, I, I fucking... Uh, Love what you're doing here. You shouldn't ever stop it. Thank you. I definitely appreciate that. And in the future, um, maybe after MVA um, plays Southern California or releases new music, um, we'll definitely get you back on the podcast because I'd love to have you back. Hell yeah, man. I would love it. All right. There it is. It's been another episode of the Jamie RK podcast. Always on top. Breathe in, leave it all behind I just want to see the light